Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell. The show that puts you in the shoes of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan. Each week, every week, we talk all things Steelers roster, Steelers, Steelers salary cap, and of course, the NFL draft, which is just a couple of weeks away. This week's episode, the title is An LB, an RB, and a T walk into the room. So what does that mean? So look, as always, I'm going to have a quick look at the roster. Um, we're going to go through the roster of what that looks like um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. But when we come into part two of the show, um, I'm going to profile three players today, um, three potential options for the Pittsburgh Steelers, three players that won't be taken in the third round. They may not even be taken in the second round, um, but looking forward to cracking into them because we're getting closer to the draft. And really, that's where everyone's attentions to free agency settling down. As always, really important to note for all the listeners out there is that obviously I record in the future. I'm in Australia, so I record Wednesday night my time. Um, This goes live to where Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday afternoon, early evening um, in the United States. So one of the the biggest news, I guess, over the last 24 hours um, is the signing of, um, in terms of Pittsburgh Steelers, was the signing of... James Connor um, to the Arizona Cardinals there. Um, so he signed, he signed a deal there. He's obviously been in Pittsburgh for four years now. Um, obviously he was, b- b- before that he was a Pittsburgh Panther. 
I think with James Connor, whilst he made a pro bowl with the Steelers, I think it's very fair to say with James Connor that, you know, the Steelers didn't necessarily get the best out of them. Um, and that was both this year due to scheme, I would suggest, and then um, very much around injuries before that. So, you know, that's an interesting piece there. I believe the deal he's signed so far, it's not on over the cap just yet. Um, it may be by the time I go to air, but the deal he signed was, I think it was $1.25 million, um, with a $500,000 roster bonus on on top of that. So, you know, um, yeah, $1.25 million with 500000 signing bonus. So, look, good luck to James Connor. Um, you know, wish him all the best. You know, no Steelers fan, I think, can have a gripe there. It just, you know, maybe went the right team for him and players move on. And, you know, his, his rookie deal had, had expired. So, looking across the Pittsburgh Steelers, Obviously, um, I've talked at length about the different um, about the the draft picks costing to tick over eight million dollars this year. One, you know, through full signing um, team cap space right now, according over the cap, is about ten million dollars. That's for fifty one players, not the fifty three, and that's where you get the displacement. Um, obviously, though, going into this season with the seventeen games, we've now got the fifty five players. So, you know, people have to be salary cap compliant by then. The Steelers contracted players, according to over the cap, is currently at 72. Um, so 72 players there. Um, there's not been too many more signings in the last week or so. Obviously, you had the wide receiver, Matt Sexton, who I think was around like 4-3-4-4 numbers, um, you know, come into the team there. I think Tyler Simmons was the other one that we saw, you know, in the last week and a half to two weeks. Um, they're kind of the main people that we've sort of seen. Um, and then was, it was also the signing of the defensive and Dulla Anderson as well. So, you know, he joins the team, you know, but these guys are roster bodies. These guys are not guys um, that, you know, you can really expect to potentially make the team um, when we start doing final cuts and final practice squad um, summations there. The other thing I wanted to quickly look at as well is a couple of key free agents. I did this last week um, in some key positions. Um, there are still a number of free agents on the board, and, and, I, and I thought it was really important that we sort of look at a couple of those key free agents. Again, look at the cornerback room. Guys like AJ Boye, Casey Haywood, Richard Sherman, Stephen Nelson, who obviously we let go. Um, he's still available. Josh Norman, Buster Scrine, um, Brian Paul, Jason McCourty, Brashad Breland, who I've said before, could be an interesting cheaper option. Guys like Nikhil Roby Coleman, um, Drake Kirkpatrick, you know, Jonathan Jonathan Joseph there as well. Um, there's some of the bigger names um, that are currently available at the cornerback position. And it's really important just to think about that for a second because the Steelers could very well draft a cornerback in this year's draft. I think a lot of fans are nervous about that being a first round. You know, I really like Asante Samuel Jr. He's, you know, probably a top 60 pick on most people's draft boards. Um, You know, I was showing my co-host of Steelers Touchdown Under a few weeks ago, Mark Davison. I was showing him some highlights of Asante Samuel Jr. And obviously you're watching the highlights. So, you know, with the, with the good comes the bad as well. But he was like, who is this guy? Um, and, and Mark said he's not particularly a draft guy. And he was like, Matty, why are you showing me this? You know, I'm going to fall in love with this player. We know Dave always suggested you don't want to do that. Um, despite a lot of my BTSC colleagues really falling in love with Zayvon Collins for the pick at number 24. But I just that's just one position to keep in mind at that cornerback position, because if the Steelers get someone late, that's more developmental. Don't be dismayed. There's plenty of guys left out there um, at that, 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 that cornerback position. 
The other one I wanted to sort of go through as well is some of the tight ends is, and you know, them, uh, of course it, it can change. And I know that over the cap can be a little bit conscious of putting things up sometimes, even though deals might've been agreed in principle, but guys like Jesse James, ex deals player is still available. Um, Tyler Eifert still available. Jason Witten um, there, but I think he's actually retiring. Darren Fells, I believe is yet to be signed by the Texans. Michael Pruitt, who I know that um, Michael Beck was really keen on the Steelers bringing in. He's still available. Um, I think Jordan Reed's still out there too. And then there's a bunch like Trey Burton, I think, I believe is out there. But that just gives you a bit of an understanding of some of the guys there in terms of the tight end position um, that are still available. On the edge side, edge side of things, and it obviously depends, then you're talking about scheme. You know, uh, there's been rumors that Jed Avian Clown is looking at the interview. I think he's about a site visit at the Browns, the Ravens and Colts, apparently, are interested in too. Guys like Melvin Ingram, Ryan Kennedy, Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon, Everson Griffin, Alex Okafor, um, you know, Ezekiel Ansar. Um, he's getting on in on in his years now. Jabal Sheard, um, all all fairly no, common um, NFL names that are still available. So again, the Steelers don't necessarily you know drive someone on the edge there. There's still guys that are available. Depressingly, looking at the center position, their big names here would have been two for agents in the Pouncey brothers, but obviously we know they retired at the same time. Austin Reed is still available. He's probably the best, the best you've got available right now, unless you're going to look at a Russell Bodine. Um, and it just makes you think the Steelers need to bring someone in, whether it's a Trey Hill in round four, whether it's a Creed Humphrey in, in round two, if he falls that late, if it's Landon Dickerson. I think, interestingly to watch, different position, but at the cornerback position, Caleb Fairley is dropping significantly with the two back surgeries, not doing all the testing in his pro day. I feel like the same is happening to Landon Dickerson. And it was interesting. I got presented with him on, I've done several mock drafts this week. Um, just, I, I like to do them on my commute to the workplace. And I've noticed quite clearly Landon Dickerson with some of the algorithms on different websites starting to drop. And I think that's going to be a really interesting choice at the Steelers because he suddenly became available to me constantly in the second round. Do you pick him at 55? Because if he comes off, that's first round talent. It's the injury concerns that are the problem. When we look at this center position of free agents that are currently available, there's not a lot of talent there. And it's, I know that we've been talking about this at length across BTSC content this offseason, but it's one to think about. Equally, a guy like in round three, Shannon White, um, in the last 24 hours as I record this, so it'll be the last 48 hours for most listeners, put up a great article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com about Quinn Moneras, funnily enough, who I covered um, you know, last week on the on this show um, as a center option for the Steelers in the in the third round, maybe if he even drops the fourth. But you know, do you trade back up into the third to grab him there if he's sitting there? Um, he's at forty four on Daniel Jeremiah's top fifty prospects. As I said last week he's I think pit number eighty seven on the Draft Network's list of top one hundred. So you know, it's definitely someone to watch. And then I think just to cap it off is the left tackle position. So you know. Obviously there we, you know, the draft is where we are looking to head at the moment. Russell Okung, um, Eric Fisher, Alejandro Villanueva, Jason Peters, who I think is also retired, um, Cameron Fleming, um, all still available there. Now that's not too many names, but we're now starting to crack on in terms of the, the, the you know, free agency and draft period. 
I mean, Eric Fisher, what have you got to lose by potentially bringing him in? Um, don't give a signing bonus, what have you. You know, um, again, Alejandro Villanueva, can we keep him with Ben coming back and, and Juju coming back and DeCastro still there, you know, Banner as well. You know, he, he's played a little bit alongside Dotson. Um, do you shift DeCastro over to the left side? I know there's some fellow BTSC podcasters and writers that are keen on that. I'm interested in that too. I think let Dotson play where he's used to. Um, David DeCastro is going to be more versatile, a bit more, you know, a veteran there. Um, you know, I think he can play across the line. It could be really interesting if we have them on the left side, just one to think about. But look, that wraps up part one of this week's show. As I said, I've got three players I want to I want to cover in in part two, um, and I and I constantly breaking my thirty my thirty minute limit each week with these shows, and you know I really want to get into those couple of players. So we're going to run the break a little bit early, but stay tuned. As I said, I'm covering the RB, the LB, and the TE that walk into a room. The RB will be Trey Sermon. The TE will be John Bates in the later rounds, and the LB, which is really an inside linebacker or middle linebacker, will be Cameron. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Perville, your host of this this weekly show leading up into this NFL draft. It's taking you through the Steelers offseason. You know, we've talked everything when we were cap room about cap and free agency and signings, and now we move into the draft and we're talking prospects. So let's kick it off with a highest grade prospect on the draft right now. It's Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, six foot, 215 pounds, Senior prospect grade 6.2, which means that um, on NFL, according to NFL.com's profile, that gives him you know the status of a good backup who could become a starter. It puts him right on that edge there of being a starter within the first two seasons. You know, we know guys need to get opportunities. You know, um, so remember we went back and look at some of the running backs that have done well. I mean, you know, James Robinson, who had a standout year for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he wouldn't have been a 6.2 on the on this list. So let's not. Um, let's not get too sucked into that, um, into that grade there, but just to show that, you know, he's being rated fairly highly. Um, look, it's funny with his last name too. I saw this funny fact in his bio. Um, yes, his last name's Sermon, um, but he has trust tattooed on one bicep and God link inked on the other. Um, so a bit of a fun fact out there for Steelers fans. Um, you know, He's a, he was as soon as he was a top 100 overall recruit nationally from Marietta, Georgia. Um, he enrolled a semester early and became an immediate contributor, starting three or 14 games. Um, you know, in that first season, he had 121 carries, 744 yards, 6.1 yards per carry, five TDs, 16 receptions for 139 yards, 8.7 average, two touchdowns. Um, in 2018, he started 12 or 14 games, garnering honorable um, mention for all Big 12 honors after leading the team with 13 rushing touchdowns of 164 carries for, for 947 yards at 5.8 per carry, um, 12 receptions, 181 yards, 15.1 averages. Um, injuries limited him in 2019, um, where he only had nine starts. Sorry, he played in nine games with four starts, 54 carries, 385 yards. 
um, 7.1 yards per carry. So you can still see his his carry average is almost the highest there off, off limited carries, four touchdowns, eight receptions, 71 yards, 8.19 average, one receiving touchdown. You know, and, and, and so that was interesting from that perspective. In 2020, he came on strong at the end of the year, rushing for um, 331 yards in the Big Ten Championship game and 193 yards in the college football playoff semifinal against Clemson, where he also had four receptions for 61 yards. Unfortunately, only carried once in the national title game before a shoulder injury sidelined him. He went to the senior bowl, but was not able to participate in practices. Um, Look, I think Steelers fans are first hearing that sort of feedback will be like, well, hang on, in the past game, we like to use, we know the success that Ben had with Le'Veon Bell, even James Conner um, receiving there. I'm less sort of caught up in that because I feel like when you look at some of his receptions, he can do things. I think it's about scheming him. I think we need a bruiser at that running back position. I'm less worried about that right now. And given the guys like Anthony McFarlane, given the guys like um, Jalen Samuels in the back room there, even Benny Snell, there's some that we can spread some load here as well. Quentin NFL Jim Loveview, great looking running back. Um, he can suffer from a bit of inconsistency and in creative creativity and decisiveness. The regular season tape at Ohio State was a little bit disappointing compared to the talent he showed at Oklahoma, but his monster postseason should quell some concerns. At both schools, interior vision decision-making was suspect and would run him into some traffic. Um, he does have potential as an outside zone back where he has more time and space to utilize his skills. He's got size, open field speed, and will step up and handle his business in pass protection. That's what we love as Steelers fans, players that can pass block, um, as well as catch it out of the backfield. Um, so there, you know, even there we're saying with limited receptions, you know, analysts are sort of saying, yes, he can still catch things out of the backfield. So whilst his skill level as a runner can be average, his potential as a three down backup with upside could create middle round interest. I think he's sitting there at the third or fourth round, but we'll continue to go through the prospect, um, strengths, you know, he's got ideal NFL frame, um, tape at Oklahoma is more indicative in game game out potential, Adequate bend and cut when he's on the move. Good acceleration and change of direction. I feel like you can see that on tape when he gets through lines. Strides with power and drive once he opens it up. Finishes with a forceful demeanor. Has ability to put moves together as an outside zone runner. Capable pass catcher with the ability to hit chunk plays out of the backfield. You see that on tape for me as well. I know it's, again, with highlights, you get the good and the bad. Um, Sorry, you get the good without the bad. Run after the catch was impressive and effective in both 2018 and 2020. Um, squares up meets his pass blocking duties stepped up with huge efforts when it was most needed for the Buckeyes most consistent tape was a couple of years ago he can tend to run a bit upright on the weakness side slow to process moving pieces in tight quarters indecisiveness again was brought up in a key as a key weakness Um, he can at times like vision or burst to make a living constantly between the tackles I think that also depends on who you're running behind um and he was an uncreative runner while at Ohio State. I think with someone, a schema like Matt Canada um, at the offensive coordinator position, I'm less worried about that, just me personally. Um, I think one of the other things to look at was definitely I look a lot on Pro Football Network with some of these prospects. Again, they not, they noted the lack of speed and quickness in turning the corner and isn't a true perimeter runner. I think we need to open up lanes. I, when you think about just a guy like Kevin Dotson, um, that's a really interesting piece there. Um, and again, Zach Banner too. So if you keep those guys on the right, if you do move um, DeCastro over, what can we do on that side? Um, you know, he, you know, their analysis in terms of Pro Football Network was that Sermon took his game to another level after he transferred to Ohio State from Oklahoma. 
He's a big back. Um, he was effective running on the inside and catching out of the backfield. That's what we need with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and he could be developed into a featured runner on Sundays in the right offense. And again, that's where it is. Is it, Where is the right offense? He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, received offers from Alabama, Florida, Ohio State, and Georgia. He bypassed partnerships with these schools and instead chose Oklahoma. Um, and then obviously we know he transferred to Ohio State. Um he show he's showing up in playoffs too. He's a big he's a big time player there, um, and that's what I find really great about him in the Big Ten championship game. Um, his impact against Clemson, you know, he had 193 yards and one touchdown, 31 car- carries against Brent, you know, Venables' vaunted defense. I think the fact that that's highlighted is a really interesting piece there. Um, you know, he's an Ohio State running back. You know, he's six foot one, 215 pounds. You know, it's just that athleticism that's the question there of why. And this is the difference why you're not seeing him in the top running backs. I watched a, um, a an analysis video of him over six weeks ago now. I think it was four to six weeks ago um, with DJ Bucky Brooks. They were saying, Trey Sermon, great fit for a team. Um, a bit like the Steelers, they were saying, this guy's going to show up. He's probably the one running back out of them all that's outside of the, the big three in Javante Williams, Travis um, Etienne, and Najee Harris that could have a much you know more successful longer-term career if you look outside those three in terms of all the running backs. Um, so that's going to be a really, you know, really interesting team. Is also considered a fit for a team like the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Saints, according to Pro Football Network. Um you know, and he can rise into early day three conversation. I agree. I think he's going to be there. You're going to struggle to see him outside the, you know, the 100th pick. Um, I think Pro Football Network have him at, you know, I think it was 89. Um, I know the Draft Network have him um, around just outside that 100 um, as well. So, I, you know, there's a bit of a consensus here into where he's falling, um, given that teams will get the running backs they need quite quickly or the most desperate desperate teams, which you could say the Pittsburgh Steelers are one, and we don't want to necessarily draft a running back in round one. He becomes a really interesting prospect. You know, I think he is an early down back. I, I think, yeah, you've got this Pittsburgh Steelers fan, a fan of Trey Sermon. Let's bring him in. The next player I wanted to move on to quickly before I go into a player I can't wait to talk about is John Bates. John Bates, tight end. Now he's a guy that might not. He might even go undrafted. This is draft profile: six foot five um, and a half, weight two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a three-year starter who recorded a career best twenty-two catches as a junior. He's a tough, large tight end, effective in all facets of the position. Bends his knees, blocks with leverage, fires off the snap into defenders. He's explosive at the point, plays heads-up football and works blocks. Solid route runner, stays low exiting breaks and makes receptions with his hands, extends and snatches the ball out of the air, makes the difficult catch in a crowd. You know, could he do the, could it, would he have got the catch if he was Jesse James? We know Jesse James did. Um, possesses focus as well as eye-hand coordination. Negative is that he's slow and plays to one speed and lacks burst. Therefore, that makes him a bit of an average athlete. If that's the biggest knock on a tight end in this Steelers offense, and there's a Steelers, there's a tight end prospect that's going to be available really, really late in the draft that can catch and can block, that I'm excited by that. I'm excited by that because I think that's where the Steelers could get a real steal, pardon the pun, 
there, I think in the draft network actually has him ranked there at um, 243. So the Steelers are picking at 245 and 259, the 245th pick we acquired from the Dolphins and the 259 from the Ravens. 245. Imagine if we got him at 245, two picks on from where he's currently going. Um, but let's get back a little bit back into John Bates as well. He's not a well-known name amongst most of the NFL draft community. It's why he might be news to you. And you're sitting here going, Matt, I didn't even think of him. He was, you know, at Boise State, he was a bit unproductive being the third or fourth option in the passing game and usually brought in as a blocker. That's how we know that we need you know, that's what we know the Steelers like to use those tight ends. Um, however, he was a dominant track athlete in high school and his athletic profile could lead to a more productive career in the NFL. So while we said he was on athletic before, that was mainly due to his speed. You know, his splash plays show his body control, natural hands and quality downfield speed. Um, it's easy to say our team could love his traits and raise him in their draft board, but a lack of real production heavily weighs down his stock. Um should and and the question that Pro Football Network says is should should he be drafted? Should a team take a punt on him um, to to want to use that Australian slang there on a big gamble? Um, look, the NFL draft is unpredictable. They've sort of said, look, as we know, it's unpredictable. Where he could be drafted is a big question. You know, he, he's was the top tight end in the offense. Um, in his, you know, for Boise State in his final season, he finished fourth on the team in yards and fifth in receptions. Um, and his 12.3 yards per reception were indicative of his abilities to make the plays down the field. Imagine if he gets open with a guy like Ben, you know, with a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, it's, and, you know, they're basically saying for Bates, it's about coaches using his athletic ability. When you've got a guy like Eric Ebron there where the defense is going to focus, you know, when you've got a team there that, can do some things with the tight end or and particularly an offensive coordinator like Matt Canada. I'm interested to see how we could use a guy like John Bates. Moving over to the draft network side of things, you know, they, they did an interview with him and I, you know, a bit earlier on this off season um, earlier in March. I look, the one thing that stood out to me and I read through the full interview was like, What's your? They asked him the question. What's your favorite part of playing the tight end position? And he said, "I really love the physicality that comes with it. That's probably my favorite part. You know what you're trying to do when you're going to do it, or while playing the tight end position. We're going to run routes. We're going to catch balls, but we're also going to put our hand in the dirt and get physical at the line of scrimmage as well. That's the best aspect of it. We get to physically impose our will on someone. We also get to run routes and catch catch touchdowns. Everything we do is physical." Is this not a player that you want? And you can hear me tapping the pen, the table with my pen. This is a tight end you want on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a guy that's wanting to be physical, a guy that can catch the football, a guy that can make plays. He doesn't have to be the quickest tight end on the field. You know, we can use guys like a Jalen Samuels in an H back, back role for that. We've got plenty of fast wide receivers, but a guy that's not afraid to put his hand in the dirt. This is the sort of player I like. He doesn't come from, you know, the biggest school um, in college football as well. He'll have something to prove. Pittsburgh Steelers, anywhere from pick 216 onwards, I'm interested. Let's bring in um, John Bates, tight end, Boise State. You heard it here first. Really interested to see if the Steelers can bring this guy in. And now we move on to one of my favorite players in this entire draft. He's young. Um, You know, we'll go through his NFL.com profile and and his draft network profile as well, um, Pro Football Network. And that is Michigan linebacker Cameron McGrone. Cameron McGrone. He's 
given a prospect grade according to NFL.com of 6.10. He's rated among the, he was a five-star prospect rated among the top 25 overall recruits in the country out of Indianapolis's Lawrence Central High School. When he signed with the Wolverines, he redshirted his first year in Arnabore, played one game on special teams. He moved into the starting lineup for 10 of 13 contests in 2018. So he knows Devin Bush. Um, McGrone garnered an honorable mention, all big 10 honors with 66 tackles, nine and a half for a loss with four sacks. He started five games in 2020, 26 tackles, two for a loss before he missed time with some injury and declared for the NFL draft. Um, you know, he's got adequate size and athletic ability. He might, you know, they're sort of saying his 2019 team tape was better than 2020, particularly given the amount of plays he did. He plays with a natural physical demeanor. You see it on tape. He runs through, he wants to get tackles for a loss or he wants to get onto that quarterback and pressure him as well. You see that more than what I think most people realize with him. Um, he's got the skill and strength to make plays in front of him. He tends to play the game through a straw, um, limiting his field requisition and ability to make plays with efficiency against play action and misdirection. There isn't enough good tape to suggest he can be a factor on passing downs, but he has the talent to be an early down backup who could move up the ranks. This is according to NFL.com. I think it'd be interesting when we look at the other profiles too. Strengths, good build of musculation, reads keys and understands blocking schemes, good understanding of attack angles, willing to take chances to make plays behind the line. That does show up on tape um, from what I've watched. Adequate upper body strength to unglue from blocks. Subtle length changes to keep blockers guessing. Shoots for body-on-body tackles. Closes out targets and finishes with good play strength. Ability to bend and dip under pulling blocks or on a split zone. Adequate sideline-to-sideline range. Um, Weaknesses, according to NFL.com, relatively limited game amount of game action and he is young um i think he's only 21 plays with narrow and above, below average vision poor feel for angles to successfully leverage the gap allows play side shoulder to be covered by the lead blocker would benefit from more proactive use of his hands to control the action um downhill mentality will run him out of the positioning against counters he can lose track of coverage duties at times um and unable to sniff out play action or misdirection I wonder though on that one, I don't think that's as big a weakness as it's being made out, but that's an interesting, you know, consideration for teams, um, you know, that are looking at drafting Cameron McGrone. Moving on to the draft network, they have labeled Cameron McGrone as their 43 best prospect in the draft. Um, now, as we know, just because someone's labeled on a, another, you know, on a mock draft or on a, on a prospect board doesn't mean that's where they get drafted. Um, you know, and I'm profiling Cameron McGrone with the understanding that he may still be there in round three. You may have to get him in round two. Um, and maybe if someone like a Creed Humphrey and a Landon Dickerson are off the board, that's what you look to do. And you look to get a guy that I previewed a few weeks ago in Trey Hill um, inside um, offensive lineman from Georgia. You look to get him maybe in the fourth round to cement up your um, center position. But anyway, let's get back to McCrone. Um, you know, he's, as they've sort of outlined, he's really a redshirt sophomore who enters the NFL draft process with 19 games and 15 starts at Michigan. It's a small sample size that will need leave, leave teams needing extra clarity in order to work out his ceiling with their, within their defensive schemes. Um, he was the starting linebacker position in 2019. Um you know, he was tremendous throughout the course of 2019 season. He didn't play at that level in 2020, but he only played a couple of games. Um, he has all the physical tools needed to be a dynamic defensive playmaker for an NFL franchise. Is a, the heartbeat in the middle. Um, you know, imagine that alongside Devin Bush. We know what the middle linebackers did for Tampa Bay in, in this year's Super Bowl. 
you know, do we have two guys in, in, in that sort of sense as well? Um, you know, McGrone's does show toughness. Um, and he, you know, in this season, he played with a cast on his hand in the games he did play. Um, and he wasn't afraid to lock horns with offensive linemen at the line of scrimmage. That's what I want to hear out of a Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. Um, his value stems from his explosive athletic profile and three down value for the NFL game. He should get a chance to crack a starting lineup fairly early on, despite limited college experience. Again, is this someone that we can nurture through? We know Devin Bush, you know, didn't start day one. He came in, um, you know, Shazier, I think did start, um, early on, but he, again, he earned that right. Is this something we can do with Cameron McGrone there? Moving on to the draft network. Um, you they, you know, were fairly similar in sort of that analysis there. They said it's going to be really interesting to see where he gets picked in the NFL draft. He's, you know, not going to really let necessarily trouble the Devin Bush level of expectation. Um, but I still think there's massive upside upside in him. The biggest thing there is that, like, he'll be the interior linebacker in a 3-4 defense. He'll be a middle linebacker in a 4-3 um, defense. Again, you know, for the the guys over at pro football network, they were sort of saying the 15 starts in 19 games is where teams will be a little bit conscious of him. They've said teams that might be in market, the position of the saints, the Broncos, the Rams and the Cleveland Browns. I just think with a guy like Cameron McGrone comes out of Michigan, the Steelers know a bit about linebackers out of Michigan, obviously Devin Bush. If he, if he is as good as what this talent could look like, Let's let's go get that tackle at twenty four or that running back at twenty four. Let's not go get a Zayvon Collins. I'm going to go against some of my I know BTSC colleagues here that have talked about Zayvon Collins. Let's go get Cameron McGrone. Let's go make sure our offense can do things because ultimately it's going to be about how many points we can score. If we're going to go toe to toe with Kansas City, yes, the defense is going to be key, but we're also going to have to put twenty plus points on the board. There's great tackles in this class that can be the bookend of our offensive line for years to come. Let's look outside the linebacker position. Um, I did hear a, a, a draft projection today that Jason Owe would fall to us um, at 24. And, you know, that's an interesting prospect if it does happen. Um, but no, let's go get Cameron McGrone. Um, you know, I've been talking about him in the BTSC Slack channel since March 4th, again on March 16th. So I know he's propped up in a couple of the different shows and articles on the site, but I've been on Cameron McGrone since the start of March. I've, you know, could not wait to preview him, you know, this week. Go watch his tape. And with that, that wraps up this week's episode. Still. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. 
to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.